may be seated, having been reminded that our God is more than able to make a difference in our life in 2020. It's crazy to say that. I'm curious, as we've gathered this morning, do we have any people watchers among us? Now, let's be clear. We're not talking about stalkers, right? But you know what I mean. I mean, maybe over Christmas holiday, you were out shopping and you found yourself at the mall or at the store and you were tired and you sat down and then suddenly you just begin to observe the people around you. I mean, isn't it remarkable just how different people are in every aspect of their lives? But one thing, I don't know if you've observed it yet, but if you observe people, you'll realize even how they walk varies. Um, some walk with long strides. Some have a rather short gait. Uh, some shuffle their feet. Uh, one, just a couple of years ago, I started wearing hearing aids, and, uh, and I, I was getting used to them, and I kept hearing this sound when I was walking. And I finally figured out I shuffle my feet. I, I, because I had begun to lo- lose my hearing, I wasn't aware that I was a foot shuffler. But some people walk in that way. Now, this past week, our family, we were blessed to have Sarah's children with us. Our grandson, James, was, was with us this week, a very active little guy. But he's, he walks on his toes. Uh, it's, it's funny to watch. He'll, he'll kind of start on his toes. But again, that's just the distinctiveness of people. I mean, even how they walk varies. And, stay with the thought, even the circumstances of their life can alter how they walk. If they get injured, they're going to walk with a limp. If they get good news, I guarantee you, you'll be able to observe it in how they walk. There'll be an energy, a spring in their step. On the other side of that, if they get bad news, I would suggest that you can figure that out by how they walk. There'll be kind of a slowness to their step. See, circumstances can affect even how a person physically walks. Why the discussion on walking? Well, today I want to begin a new series that will take us actually into the month of March that I've entitled The Walk, where I want us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ to discover how our faith relationship with him can actually influence how we live our lives. That it can produce in us what some might refer to as the Christian walk. I want us to understand that from a biblical point of view. And hopefully, as you move forward into this new year, you'll begin to experience more Jesus in a way that then affects your walk. Now, the focus of this new series is actually going to be on one New Testament book, or rather short book. It's the book of Colossians. I don't know the last time you may have read this little book. Sometimes it's called a letter or an epistle. It's the Apostle Paul who's writing to a gathering of believers in the city of Colossae, and he's trying to encourage them in the faith. And he really begins to emphasize with them the importance of their walk. Now, to help you benefit in this series, I'm going to ask you on the front end to do something with me. I'm not only asking you to come back next week. I want you to begin to read with me through the book of Colossians. It's only four chapters long. And this is what I would propose starting tomorrow. Begin to read just a chapter a day. Just one chapter 
probably take, you know, more than 10 minutes to do this. But in doing this, I want you to begin to read as a follower of Jesus to understand how who he is can affect how you live your life, how it can influence your walk. I said there are only four chapters. I mean, you can kind of figure this out. If we start with chapter one tomorrow and chapter two on Tuesday, we're done with the book by Thursday. Well, on Friday, start over again. This is my appeal. As we go through the month of January, I want us to read through this letter six or seven times. See, sometimes I think we're tempted to always feel like we have to read something new, read something new. And, and I think there needs to be occasions where we just keep reading the same thing so that it begins to live with us in a way that can influence what we feel and what we see and how we think. And I th I'm convinced that this little letter called Colossians will be an experience for you that can be transformative. But it will involve you reading it on your own, day by day, week by week. Starting tomorrow, just start with Colossians chapter 1. Now, the reason I want us to do that, because as I've already suggested, Paul emphasizes the influence of Jesus in our lives. He emphasizes the walk. He wants you to experience Jesus in a way that affects your life. He describes that in chapter 2 in verse 6. And we're going to start in chapter 2 because to me, this is the defining verse of the whole letter. If you want to understand everything that's before it and after it, just get your mind around what he's about to des describe in Colossians 2, verse 6. Listen to what he says. Therefore, as you, speaking to believers, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now, he chooses the verb to walk deliberately. It's a word that describes movement, describes progression. It's a word that involves action. And what he's suggesting is because of our relationship with Jesus, we do something with that. He says, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Take the step forward in him. Don't find yourself standing still, but walk in him. And what's not seen so much in our English translations, but it was intended as Paul wrote it in the Greek New Testament, he actually commands them to do this. Because he knows if we don't take this initiative, we're not going to, to experience everything that Jesus wants us to experience. Now, I don't know what your aspirations for 2020 may be, but I hope you want to experience more of God this year than you did last year. Well, if that's the case, then you need to deliberately, intentionally walk in Jesus. That is his appeal. Walk in him. Now, sometimes when you attend a service like this, or maybe you're in a Bible study group and somebody reads a passage of scripture and they say, yeah, that's what you need to do. You need to walk in Jesus. You know, in the back of our mind, we're wondering, okay, that sounds good, but I'm not sure what that means. I mean, Jesus walked in the first century world and lived and died and rose again and ascended. So how in 2020 can I walk in him? I mean, how does that work? Well, if you'll join me and us in this series, we're going to discover what that means. 
how you can experience Jesus more, how you can walk in Jesus in a personal way. So how does it work? Maybe the best way to start exploring that is to go back to the sixth verse and listen to how Paul extends the command. He says, therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Some might read verse 6 and say, it, it seems like Paul is saying, since you received Christ, you should do something with him. And I think that's true. I mean, certainly there is the implication that once one has come to experience Christ, that something should flow out of that. The verse, however, I think is pointing to more than that. Paul, in a simple way, is even illustrating, kind of in an introductory way, what it means to walk in him. And he says, you're going to walk in him in the same manner as you received him. Isn't that the language? As you received Christ Jesus the Lord. In that way, you need to then walk in Jesus. So what I experienced at the start seems to have an effect in the present and the future. As I received him, that continues to play out in my life. So if that's what he's highlighting, then the relevant question is, okay, then how did they receive Jesus? How did they receive the one who they are now supposed to walk in? Well, let me answer it in a, as straightforward a way as possible. They received him by faith. That's how it started. He's writing to a church in the city of Colossae, people just like you in the first century. And he knew that they had received Jesus by faith. Word had come to Paul explaining who they were and how they had reacted. And he realized, oh, They've received Jesus. I say it that way because in the opening chapter of Colossians, that's what Paul emphasizes about this group of people. Next week, we're going to start in chapter 1, and from this point, next week, from that point forward, we're going to go through the book chapter and verse. So if you're wondering along the way, if you have questions about what you're reading, eventually we're going to look at everything that this letter has to say. But for today, I want us to go into chapter 1 just to appreciate how does one receive Jesus. Well, it's by faith. Listen to how Paul describes that, beginning in verse 3 of Colossians 1. The apostle writes, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. See, Paul had become aware of who they were. He was praying for them. Since, verse 4, we heard of your, there it is. Faith, your faith in Christ Jesus. Testimony had reached Paul describing for him how this group of people had placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what resulted from that? Well, because of their faith in Jesus, he also heard, notice that they had a love for all the saints. That's a beautiful aspect when Jesus is permitted to influence a person's life, he begins to influence their heart. He says, we heard that you love people. We also heard that you have hope because of your faith. Verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. 
Of this, Paul adds, you have heard before in the word of truth the gospel. Now let's pause there because we're talking about how does a person receive Jesus. Well, Paul says, I heard that you had faith. Now, his faith, their faith, was not just in God in general. It was in a message concerning Jesus Christ. Paul emphasizes that in verse 5. He says, your faith ultimately was placed in the gospel. Now, if you're a regular church attender, you probably have some idea what the word gospel means. It actually literally means good news. But because it's such an important term, we've given it a word that kind of sets it apart. It's the gospel. Well, what is that? Well, simply worded, the gospel is the message of Jesus Christ. That Jesus, God's son, entered into the brokenness of this world, was willing to live a life without sin so that through his death, he could address the guilt of our sin. And that's what he did. The Bible says he died for our sin and rose again. So that as the son of God, he could now extend to those who would believe forgiveness, life, hope. See, the gospel, the good news, is the message of Jesus. And as Paul is talking about this group of people, he says, we heard of your faith. We heard that you responded to the message of Jesus. Interestingly, he refers to the gospel as the word of truth. You basically have responded to the truth that God has made known. And it affects things. He continues the thought. He goes on to say, uh, which has come to you as indeed the whole world. It is in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. I like to note that because you see the message of Jesus has a power to it. As a person responds to Jesus, they come to experience the life of God, which produces fruit in, in an increasing way. And as Paul acknowledges, this was true of you, as indeed, referring to, to the Colossians, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now, let me take us right back to the original question. How does one receive Jesus? I would say you receive Jesus by faith. How does one receive Jesus by faith? You respond with your mind and heart to the testimony concerning who Jesus is. You respond to the truth of what God has revealed. And when you respond to the message of Jesus, he died for me, he rose again, he gives me life. When you respond to that message, here's what happens. In responding to the truth, you receive him. Something spiritual happens. Uh, Jesus described it to a man by the name of Nicodemus as a spiritual birth. You're born again. As you respond to Jesus in the message of who he is, suddenly, spiritually speaking, you, you receive him. Now, here is the thing. They responded because they heard that message from Epaphras, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. My question is, have you responded to that? See, to receive Jesus, 
is to receive him by faith, to respond to the message of who he is, the truth of what he's done. As you look at your journey, whatever it has been that's brought you into the service today, can you look back and say definitively that you've responded to that message? Do you believe Jesus is God's son, that he died for your sin and rose again so that he could give you life? Have you said yes to that? Now, if you have, rejoice. You have received Jesus. If you've not, I guess my question of you as you've come to a church service the first Sunday of a new year, what's holding you back? Why would you hesitate further? We live in a crazy day, crazy world, so much unpredictability. Would you not want to know the help and the hope that comes from experience life in Jesus Christ? Well, you can experience that as you receive him by faith, as you accept the testimony concerning his life as true for your life. You believe in him. I would encourage you to do that. But let's go back to where we we were uh, highlighting. I mean, Paul says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so, notice, walk in him. As you received him by faith, you now should be walking in him, how? By faith. That should be the natural outgrowth of your faith response. I wonder sometimes as Christians, if we're misguided, we think we have the moment of faith when we accept the message and we receive Jesus and that it's, that's the end of it, that I had the faith and I'm, I've received this gift and I'm blessed by it. But the truth is what started in faith needs to then continue in faith. You don't just look back on a past event. No, Paul would say, as you've received him, if you have, then walk in him. Walk in faith with him. Continue mentally and emotionally to respond to the truth of who he is, relating to him as if he has the opportunity to affect your life. You walk in him by faith. Is that hard for us to get our minds around? Day by day, by faith, I move forward in my relationship with him. That's what Paul is directing the believers in Colossae to do. That's what I'm praying as we move into 2020. That's that's exactly what we will do. We will, because of our faith in Jesus, just begin to continue to relate to him in faith in personal ways. Go back to the text. I think you'll see this laid out in a way that can even make it more practical for you. In fact, let's go back to verse 5. We started in verse 6 of Colossians 2. Let me push you to verse 5 and and notice the progression as Paul begins to emphasize these things. He says, first of all, for though I am absent in body, he's separated geographically from them, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing, he adds, to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. See, the testimony that reached Paul was that their faith was solid, that their trust in Jesus was there. They had responded 
to the message. And since that's true, therefore, he says, as you received Christ Jesus in the firmness of your faith, so walk in him. Live out that faith. Bring it forward. Rooted, verse 7, and built up in him, in Jesus, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, I want to try to help us visualize what we're moving toward into the week ahead. First of all, I want you to visualize that we start tomorrow seeking to walk by faith, that our desire is to renew in our heart an understanding that Jesus Christ is who he claims to be, that Jesus can affect my life as I trust in him, and that I begin to respond to him in that way. I want to walk by faith. I want to visualize that I'm walking in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul commands. But what's beautiful is as he moves into the seventh verse, he he unpacks this idea of walking even further. He says, as you walk in faith, you do so, notice, rooted and built up in Jesus. Now, he uses some descriptives that illustrate the life of faith on our part. He first of all says, as we walk in Jesus, we do so rooted in Jesus. Now, I'm hoping you have a basic idea of how a root works in terms of a plant, right? Uh, when you have a plant, it's the root that is the source of everything that's necessary to generate life. If the root is not there, the life cannot exist, right? I mean, that's kind of basic. Well, think about what Paul's trying to teach us about walking in Jesus. We walk in Jesus rooted in Jesus. In other words, where is the life going to be generated? In him. That day by day, as I seek to, to live out this life of faith with him, I can draw from him spiritually what is needed to become the man or the woman that God would desire me to be. My walk is rooted in him. Now, I can't stress that enough because, you see, what I'm not wanting you to do is to adopt a new series of resolutions where you're going to try to change yourself and push God into a spectator role. No. Paul says you walk in Jesus rooted in him, that you're drawing life from him. Um, what's lost again in our English translation is really the beauty of what Paul is highlighting in the Greek New Testament. And again, I'm not trying to impress you with my language study, but if you don't already know, the New Testament was written in Greek. And let me stress, we're blessed because that's true. It was originally written in a language that had a tremendous level of nuance in meaning so that it could be precise in underscoring the truth or the lesson that's being said. See, in English, when we take a, think about verbal forms, what do we have? We have past, we have present, we have future. Now, we can interpret things in the light of that, but in the Greek language, there, there is a, such a broad variation of verbal forms that it can highlight things that we need to see. For example, rooted in the Greek language is what's referred to as a perfect verbal form. Now, what that is 
suggesting is that something has happened in the past that will have a continuing effect in the foreseeable future. It's perfect, you see. It started in the past, but the effects continue to make their way forward. Now, the reason I emphasize that with you as I am is when you receive Jesus by faith, when you responded to the message of Jesus, what Paul says is at that point in time, you were rooted in him. You were connected to him as the source of life. And since it's the perfect tense, not simply a past tense, but the perfect tense, his effect has a continuing influence for the foreseeable future. There's no expiration date on that. As you're rooted in Jesus, you're always going to be able to draw life by faith from Jesus. Last year, we started 2019 by considering some of Jesus' teachings in in John 15, where, where really, in a slightly different way, Jesus is underscoring the same basic idea. If you're with us, remember what Jesus said. I'm reading the words of Jesus. He describes it this way. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, here's the promise, he it is, she it is who bears much fruit. But then Jesus adds, but apart from me, You can do nothing. Now, in John 15 and in Colossians 2, the picture is the same. Paul is saying you need to walk in Jesus and you are able to do so because you are spiritually rooted in him. When you received him by faith, when you trusted in who he is, something spiritual happened in you. And now you have access to his help day by day, week by week. And so for me to walk in Jesus isn't for me to try to conform to a set of rules. For me to walk in Jesus is to draw life from his presence in a way that will influence me to become the person that he would want me to be. We need to be rooted, actively drawing from him. My fear is sometimes Christians seem to live out a Christian life that's more akin to to the life of a tumbleweed. I spent six years in Dalhart, the plains of West Texas, and when I would travel from Dalhart to Amarillo to make a hospital visit, uh, I would have to navigate sometimes around the tumbleweeds that were blowing across the highway. Now, we do know what tumbleweeds are, right? Even though you are in Fort Worth. I mean, it's a weed that develops that has just a, a very fragile root. And it's so fragile that it doesn't sustain life but for a very short period of time. And it lets loose. And what remains is then driven by the wind. There's no support. There's no continuation of life. Well, see, to walk in Jesus is to be rooted in him. I'm I'm not looking at God as a spectator. I'm not being driven by the wind uh, here or there. I'm drawing from Jesus what I need so that I can experience the life that he makes possible. I'm rooted in him. But not just rooted. Did you observe the other verb that Paul uses? He changes metaphors. He goes from describing a plant to describing a building. He says, 
we're also built up in him. Now, this is, a, I think, a, a lesson we can easily identify with because of our construction project. Not long ago, we had a foundation laid just beyond the wall to my right to expand our children's building. It was exciting. In fact, a few weeks ago, many of you went out there and you put a Bible verse on the foundation and you began to, to, begin to pray for God to do something meaningful within the walls of that space. Well, say we, we went into that and we signed the foundation but nothing ever came up from that. You didn't see any structure form. No walls were made. Would you be disappointed? Now, those of you that have been so generous in the financial support, I would suspect you would be disappointed. The expectation is where the foundation's been laid. Something is going to rise up. That's what Paul's trying to illustrate for our sake. He says, now listen, you've been rooted in Jesus. He is your foundation. But not just rooted. He says you are also built up in Jesus. That because of the relationship that you have with him, he now wants to bring out of your life that which is recognizable. He wants you to grow up, if I could maybe characterize it that way, in Jesus. So, so that you begin to reflect Jesus and what you say and what you do. Your priorities begin to slowly begin to reflect who Jesus is because you're rooted in him and you're being built up in him. Now, the book of Ephesians sometimes is compared to Colossians. It's a very similar letter to the Ephesians. Paul said to this group of believers, he says that, do you not know that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works? And so, see, the language is, I'm rooted in him, but because of this faith dynamic, he begins to produce in me those things that reflect his influence. Let's be clear, it's not an instantaneous construction project. I mean, it's not like you're rooted one day and suddenly you have a four-story masterpiece the next. No, it's, I mean, just as our construction progress project has been slow and doesn't always show a lot of uh, progress from day to day. I think in our own spiritual lives, it can feel that way. But Paul's point is because we're relating to Jesus by faith day by day, he's building us up in him. There should be something noticeable. Can there be disruptions to the project in our lives? Yes. Can things slow down? Can things speed up? Yes. But Paul's appeal is walk in Jesus knowing that you're rooted in him so that you can grow up in him. So that you can be built up in him. Which brings, him to, brings us to the other descriptive phrase. He also then adds of those who walk in Jesus that they are established in the faith. Now, the words established, think in terms of confirmed or authenticated. It's as if Paul is saying, as you're rooted in Jesus and growing up in Jesus, what that does is it demonstrates to the world watching you that the faith that you have in Jesus is real. It's not just confessional. Anyone can say, I believe in Jesus. But do you see the reality of that in how they live their life? 
Paul's appeal is you walk in Jesus, rooted in him, built up in him, and what results from that is you're established in the faith. The testimony of Jesus' influence is obvious. It's there to be seen. Now, not perfectly. I can't stress that enough. Listen, if you're just uh, worshiping with us for the first time and you look around at our lives, we are not a perfect group of people. You'll find that we're flawed, and, and yet here's the beautiful thing. In our weakness, as we walk in Jesus, he begins to manifest strength. He brings us forward. He establishes us in the faith. That's a process. And my hope, over the three months of this series, you'll begin to see that. You're going to discover how this can work in your life. How we can experience more of Jesus in a personal way. Now, before I close, there's one other phrase that Paul just kind of almost surprisingly throws in. He says, you're also should abound in thanksgiving. Now, as you begin reading Colossians, I I encourage you, circle the number of times the word thanks or thanksgiving is mentioned. It's a big deal with Paul. And really what he's going to help us to realize is as we walk in Jesus, live day by day, relating to Jesus, growing in Jesus, you know what happens? Our hearts begin to be full and we begin to live thankful lives. There's an overflow of gratitude in our lives because we realize we're not in this alone. God's with us. Jesus is making a difference through us. There, every single day that we live, there's a basis for thanksgiving because of him. So we live thankful. We should be overflowing, abounding in thanksgiving. Well, let's tie it all together. Let me take you back to the verses and see how it connects. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you do that? By faith. So walk in him. How are you going to do that? By faith. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. It's confirmed in you, just as you were taught, abounding in Thanksgiving. So there's the appeal. What are we going to do with that? What I don't want us to do over the course of the series is just become more informed. I want us to do something with this, don't you? And so let me suggest for us this morning a plan of action. If you picked up one of our connections, it's there to remind you as you take it home, to remind you into the week ahead. But let me suggest, if we want to really walk in Jesus, here's the plan. Now, before I mention the ones that are on the connection, let me start with what has to be said. If you've not yet responded to the message of Jesus, you need to receive Jesus. Can we start there? If you have not made that decision... I appeal to you. Make that decision today. The Apostle John in John 1 describes it this way, and maybe this will be a further help as you would visualize your own response this morning. He writes in John 1 verse 12, but to all who did receive him, referring to Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but were born of God. There it is in in black and white. If I want to receive Jesus, what do I do? I believe in him. 
And something spiritual will happen in my life. If you've not yet done that, why not now? Why not receive him? Trust in him. Most of you say, I've done that. Okay, how are we going to walk in Jesus? Well, here's the plan of action. Let's commit over the week. We're going to just actively walk in in Jesus by faith. We're going to do that. Now, to promote that, tomorrow morning we're going to get up and before we rush into the day, we're going to read Colossians chapter 1. But let me stress, we're not going to read it like a religious exercise. As a person of faith, I want to acknowledge Jesus and I'm going to ask Jesus, help me to see in today's reading something that you want me to respond to. Just one lesson, one idea, one thought. Help me to see today what you want me to see so that I can respond to you. Make it a prayer. Now what's going to be fun as we continue to read through Colossians If you will make that prayer, your prayer every morning, you'll be fascinated. When you come back to chapter one, say on Friday, God may put something else on your mind, something else on your heart from the same chapter. Now, he may bring you right back to where he had you the first time, but what's amazing to me every time as I read through God's word is how the spirit of God can affect my mind and heart to see what I need to see, to move me forward in my faith to Jesus. So as you read tomorrow, make it an expression of faith. Focus on your faith relation to Jesus and say, I just want to walk with you today. I want to walk in you today. Make that your commitment. The second part of the plan is something I'm going to highlight throughout the series because I want 2020 to be a blessed year for you. So this is what I want you to do. I want you, tomorrow morning, after you've related to the Lord, I want you to identify three things for which you are thankful, and then give thanks to God. Cultivate this habit. You'll be surprised how God will begin to work in your heart to affect your outlook. So often we fixate on what we don't have and fail to focus on the things that God has placed in our hands, and we need to acknowledge them and give thanks to God. Paul would say overflowing in thanksgiving. I'm just trying to kind of prime the pump so that thanksgiving can then flow out of your heart, off of your lips, into the day ahead. But start the morning by identifying three. And then give thanks to God. Now, if you've had a discouraging start to this year, do this exercise, three things every morning, and give thanks. And the final plan or action in the plan is probably the least popular, but I'm going to ask you to memorize a verse in the book of Colossians, and it's Colossians 2.6. And it's a verse every single one of you can memorize. It's simple as, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That's not too hard. But see, by memorizing it, internalizing it, it's reminding me to do what? To walk in Jesus in faith. To relate to Jesus in faith. To live out my life today in faith. I hope you'll memorize the verse. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm going to ask that in these final moments you would help us to make the response that needs to be made. For a person here today who's never 
responded to the good news of Jesus. They know what the Bible says about his death and resurrection. They hear that he promises to forgive and to give life, but they have yet to respond to that in faith. They have yet to ask Jesus to forgive and to be a part of their life. I pray for the boldness of heart to believe today, to call out today, to ask Jesus to to save them. I pray someone here today will receive the life of your son in a personal way. God, give them the courage, the faith to respond. Dear God, for the greater number who have already trusted in Jesus, I pray as we've begun this new year, you've given us a fresh outlook about how we will enter into the year. I pray that you will call us forward in faith, that we will walk this week in Jesus and mean it and relate to him in personal and dynamic ways, that we will experience him. God, please help us to move beyond last year's regrets. Help us to move beyond last year's excuses. Call us to step forward in faith and to believe that this week can be different as we relate to Jesus. So Father, in these remaining moments, stir the heart, help us to respond in the ways that we should. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.